Well, good morning. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Are you guys ready to worship the Lord this morning? I was thinking this morning a little bit about uh, just prayer last Wednesday, and we had a really amazing time at prayer on Wednesday. It was actually really just such a sweet environment, a beautiful presence. And uh, on Wednesday night, I was just thinking about my journey with God and how that looks and how it has looked. And uh, it just made me think of something, a little tiny illustration that I think is good before we go into worship today. Is I was remembering when I was a little kid, and uh, we lived not too far from West Edmonton Mall. It was probably phase one then. I don't know if you guys remember West Edmonton Mall back then. Not too much to it. But I remember a storm that had come one night. It was a massive storm, and I was a little kid. And when that storm hit, I remember getting up and running into my mom's room, right? And I jumped into her bed, and when I got in there, my sister was in there too. Because anytime there was a storm, we just got scared, right? I don't know if that was any of you. I'm confessing to this, but I'm sure it's happened to you too when you were kids that when those storms came, you went into your parents' room. But when you got into your mother's arms or into that bed, it was almost as if that storm had disappeared. And I thought about that for this morning, is that we have the opportunity to draw close to our Father. It's all about proximity. And so this morning, regardless of where we're at in our journey, in our walk with the Father... I know this, that as we draw close to him in worship, as we worship him, as we praise him, those storms seem to diminish and slowly disappear. And so why don't we stand this morning as we go into worship? And let's make a choice this morning to draw close to the Father, to choose to push past every hindrance, every distraction, every problem, And let's just find him. Because I know as we find him, he'll minister to us. So, Father, this morning, we just choose to say yes to you, God. Father, we choose to push through our weeks, our day, our distractions, our problems, our issues. And, Father, we just choose to find you. Because you are the solution. You are the answer to everything. And you are a faithful God who has always been with us, walked with us, and taking us through everything. So this morning, God, we choose you, and we choose to worship you. You know, that first song talked a little bit about he always finds a way. And I was thinking about that. As I remember a season in my life where it was one of those tough seasons, and I remember about a three-month span where I was so angry, I was so frustrated at God. I remember having conversations with him that just weren't very kind at times. And I remember a lot of anger in my heart. It was just a hard season. And I did talk to him, but when I talked to him, it was always in kind of like what Ken was saying. It was almost like I always complained, and I was frustrated, and I was angry. And I didn't focus on the good things that he had done. 
And I just remember one day driving to work. I actually worked in Edmonton at this time. And I just remember the Lord saying to me, come back and find me. Just come and be with me. And so what I started doing for the next two or three months is I started going into my basement, into the laundry room where there was a computer. And it was just me. And I would turn on worship music by myself, sometime for two or three hours at a time. And all I would do was declare the praises of the Lord. And as I did that in that season... He found me once again. He began to change those things that were so frustrating in my life. He began to come in and where I saw things that I hated about myself, all of a sudden he was transforming those things. And I feel like this morning he's once again given us an opportunity. That opportunity just to draw close to him. I think this morning he's trying to find some of you in this room. I think we've kind of strayed away from that a bit. And maybe we've gotten stuck on some of the stuff. So, Father, we come to you this morning. And, Lord, we realize there is one solution. It's to draw close to the Father. In fact, right now, you are trying to draw close to so many in this room. You see their wounds. You see their hurts. You see their frustrations. And, Father, you're just asking them to come and to sit on your lap, to spend time with you, to declare how good you are, to shout out praise for the many things that you've already done in their lives. Before Ken started going in this vein, I saw a watchman going out at night with a lantern in his hand, and he was looking in corners, in alleyways, in cracks. He was trying to find people, and the people in those places were at first worried. It's the cops. Judgment's coming. I've got to squeeze myself further back, but it's not the police. He's coming to rescue. He's coming to save. If you're in a place right now in your life where it's hard, where you feel backed into a corner, where you feel like you're beat down, respond. Come to the front and stand here. Just let God minister to you in that place. Let light come around you. Don't retreat further back into the dark. Come out of it. Come and stand. If that's you, respond. Don't do what you've been doing. There's no life there. Respond. Take a step. Do something different. If it's not you, that's fine. But if it's you, You've got to respond. When the Lord speaks, you answer. If he's touching your heart now, respond. Don't stand still. Don't sit still. If it's you, move. 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 He's here to save. He's here to heal. He's here to deliver. He's here to encourage. He's here to get you out of your mess. He's here to change what you're thinking. He's here to change how you believe. He's here to encourage you again. We sang the words. Speak the word and it is finished. Speak the word and it is done. And I think right now we can declare the one word that changes everything. Right? Can we do that as a body?
Let's declare the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just say Jesus. 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 So, Father, right now, we don't want to just tell you all our problems. We want to invite you in. And, Father, we realize the only way to do that is to declare the name of Jesus, and not just once, every day, all the time. That, Father, if we haven't found you, it's like that storm we talked about. We go and we find you. And when we find you, you're the God who changes everything. So, Father, we declare the name of Jesus into whatever issue, whatever problem, to whatever reason we're up here right now. The one name that changes everything. It is finished. It is done because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I just want to say about the name of Jesus that this is not some superstitious mantra that you recite. This is coming into alignment with all of heaven. Because at this very moment, all of heaven screams out, Jesus, Jesus. So we're just coming in alignment with heaven when we speak out the name of Jesus. I just want to encourage fathers this morning, dads this morning. It's so easy as a dad to feel like, oh, I haven't prayed for my kids the way I wanted to. I haven't covered my family the way I wanted to. When we got married and we began to have kids, I wanted to just be everything that a dad could possibly be. And this morning, I just want to speak new life into you. I just want to speak encouragement into you. I'm not going to say that you didn't fail in the past, but I'm going to speak out this morning that you can succeed in the future. That you can begin to speak life over your kids. That you can begin to speak life over your uh, spouse. That you can begin to speak life over your grandchildren. That you can change a whole entire uh, group of people. Because this morning you have the energy, you have the life, you have the desire. There's grace there to move into speaking over your kids. Oh Lord, we say there's nothing we love more than speaking your name, speaking your character, speaking your words over our families. We love that, Lord, like it's the most greatest thing in the world. And as dads, we give ourselves to you in this, Lord. We say we will speak over our children. We will speak over our wives. We will speak over our grandchildren. Oh, the words of God, the words of God, the words of God, the words of God flowing out of the dads in this body, flowing out of the fathers in this house. Oh, the words of God. You know, we've had, um, we've had a lot of messages in the last little while that are saying the same thing. And I'm not sure if you've been listening to all those messages. I'm sure you have. Uh, but God is putting his thing on a few things here. There's no question about it. And this season that he wants to walk into, I think, is going to be a powerful season. Right? I mean, when Matt spoke, we heard a lot from Matt Blacklock in the area of outreach evangelism. And when Kim Wheeler spoke, we heard the same thing. But we also heard all about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
and that the key behind all this is we don't need to just do the stuff, right? Because if love isn't actually behind it, you might as well not do the stuff. And I know the word also says this, that the world will know by our love for one another. So I think it's going to start right here with us, the body of Christ, the church here. And so God is saying phase one is here and it's upon us. Can we actually love each other in this room? Because the new season is upon us, and it's this, that not one should perish. He wants them all. Every single one of them. That's what he wants. You know, Pastor Mark preached last week, and I don't know if you caught that, but once again, there he is. He wasn't here when Kim was here, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's like the Lord is putting this big highlighter on love. You see, the world can tell the difference between true love and counterfeit love. And the season for counterfeit love is over. I was thinking about this. It's like me and my wife, right? Is I can tell my wife I love her all the time. But my wife's the kind of person that if I actually don't show her, it's like you tell me that all the time, but you never show me. You never do it. It's that season. We've told the world for a long time how much we love them. A long time. I think the season's upon us. So I want to share a little bit about evangelism today. And I actually want some people who are within our body who are already doing some stuff. I just want you to hear what they're doing. Because God is already moving through our people. Right? It's not as if he's not. Right? There are people doing things all the time. And you know what? The testimonies are so powerful, so encouraging. But I want to tell you a story about an opportunity God gave me. And I'll say this. It was an opportunity I didn't want. I didn't want it at all, actually. And this was probably about, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 years ago in this church. Whenever Dave Grawweiler was here. What was that? 15 years ago, maybe? Yeah, probably. Pastor Dave Does anybody remember Pastor Dave Grawweiler? He's a good man. Well, we had a lady who was attending our church at that time. And she was one of our seniors. She was a beautiful lady. And uh, her husband was in the hospital. And her husband actually did not attend church here. Uh, He had no desire to go to church. He had no desire to have God in his life. And he was very upfront with his wife about that. She knew exactly where he stood. But this was a season in his life I don't think he was expecting. And all of a sudden, he was in the hospital. And I remember that lady coming to the office and asking if one of the pastors would go and visit them. Nobody put their hand up. And then Dave, he was a little higher than me, right, in the order. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Chris, you're going to go to the hospital. (laughs) I could feel it right now, man. My heart was like, what? I I hate hospitals. Who hates hospitals? I hate hospitals, right? I don't even want to go. If I cut my hand or this, I don't want to go to a hospital. I'd rather just do whatever I have to. I hate them. And so 
it's on me to go to the hospital. And so the day comes when I'm supposed to go. And I remember driving all the way in to the city. In the whole way, I am grumbling and I am complaining. And I am saying, this is the stupidest thing in the world. I don't even want to go. Why would you even send me here, God? This is so silly. And as I got closer and closer, I'm like, I don't even think I have any change for the parking meters. So I don't think I can go. And at the time, I drove a really nice Honda Prelude with a sunroof that I smashed up. I remember I opened up the ashtray. I never had money. And sure enough, there's like $8 and change. I'm like, who put that in there? So I remember I parked, and I'm like, fine, I'll go in, and I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll bring him a Bible. And I'll say, your wife wanted me to come and say hello. I don't know. You know, and, and bring your Bible. And so I just want you to know we're praying for you. And here's a Bible. This almost what went through my head. I mean, I was so disoriented. I don't know what to do. I had no clue. And so I park. And I walk into that hospital. And I start to walk around. And as I'm walking around, I'm like, I have no clue where this guy is. No clue. And that's my next excuse. I'm not going to find him. I might as well just go. And then I hear that little voice, just ask somebody. Right? So the first person I see, I'm like, do you know where so-and-so is? And she's like, oh, I know exactly where he is. Everybody knows where he is. And it's not because he's a nice guy. It's because he was an honorary man and not very nice. So, in fact, she took me to the room. (laughs) <laughs> Who does that? But my next out was right in front of my face. As I looked in the room, he had a visitor. A friend. And I was like, perfect. Right? I'll just pop in and say, I don't want to disturb you. Your wife wanted me to come by, and here's that Bible. And I kind of came in, and he looked over, and he saw me, he saw the Bible. And he goes, what do you want? I don't want any of that. And I'm just sitting there with my eyes wide open. I'm like, um, um, I just wanted to bring you a Bible, and I'll be on my way. And then his buddy that's visiting him says, oh, no, 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 no. Because I'm on my way out. In fact, I think you need to come in here. And I think you need to talk to him. And he looked at him and says, you need to talk to him. You need to listen to what this young man has to say. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to (laughs) say. So this man leaves. He's gone. I walk. (laughs) I just, I'm sorry, I'm reliving the emotions of it. It was like, oh my goodness. Like, I'm looking at him and it's like, he's like, just get this done. Say what you got to say and be on your way. And I'm like, okay. So I grab my Bible. Right, it's a red one actually. It's one of the church ones we used to have in here. I think I stole it. Sorry, I did. I did right? That's terrible. Right? Confessing right now. Right? So I open it up and I'm thinking I'll, I'll take him to Romans, and we're going to talk about salvation and all that stuff. Right? And so I get by his bed where he's laying, and he's like, "Come on, come on, come on." And as I'm about to look at him, I say this tiny little prayer, Jesus, help me. (laughs) 
in my head. It was as simple as that. And right at that moment, I'll never forget this. The Holy Spirit said, put the Bible down for a second. And I just want you to talk to him. What am I going to say? Don't worry, I'll fill your mouth with words. Just start to talk. That's pretty scary. (laughs) Just do it. So all of a sudden, I start to open my mouth. And I'm still shocked at what I said. This is why I know the Holy Spirit's real. So you can't tell me the Holy Spirit's not. Because I would have fumbled my words. It would have been disastrous. He would have kicked me out. But all I said to this man was, you know what? I don't see a grumpy, mean old man. And he looked at me almost in shock. Well, what do you see then? I said, I I see somebody that's lonely, someone who's scared, someone who's afraid. It got quiet, just like this. But Jesus wants you to know right now that he's not going to leave you alone for one second in this process. That he's going to walk you through it step by step. I watched this angry man who was giving me every dirty look you can imagine. In the matter of seconds, and I mean, that's not the most profound thing. Boom, he starts crying right there. And then I look at him and I'm like, can I read you something out of the Bible? Yeah. And I start reading him Romans. We start talking all about it. 10, 15 minutes go by, goes by. At the end of this, he looks at me and he says, Son, it's happened. That's all you need to know. And I knew what he meant. So, prayed for him. And as I'm leaving, he says, Son, but one thing. One thing. I said, Okay, what's the one thing? You got to admit something. I said, What's that? He goes, There's nothing like a cold beer on a hot day. (laughs) And I left. That was it. That was my journey. And then I came back here and I got a phone call the next day. I got a phone call from his wife. And I said, hey, how are you? And she goes, well, um, not good. And I said, well, why? Well, he died last night. And she goes, so what happened? And I said, well, did did you get to talk to him at all? And she goes, yeah, I did. I actually went in. We went for a little walk and everything. And then two hours later, he, he died. And I said, well, what did he say to you? And she said, he only said one thing. She said, He just said it went well with the pastor guy. That was it. Not another word. And I told her the whole story. And, of course, she wept and she cried. And then she said, I want you to come to my house because I'm inviting all the family to come. They're all non-Christians. And I want you to share this whole story with all of them. And I said, yes. (laughs) Right? It's true. I was like, yeah. I'm like, of course. And, of course, I had a few days to think about it, and I was nervous, and I was scared. 
and all that stuff. And I remember going to this house, and there must have been 40 or 50 people inside of her apartment. And I didn't know any of them. All non-Christians, pretty much, I think. And she brings me in, and she says, okay, everybody, I, I just want you to listen to what the pastor has to say. And so I, uh, of course, shared the exact same story that I shared with all of you. And there's some tears, there's some crying and all this stuff. And some people start talking. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I am now out of here. This is so awkward. I, I need to go now because everybody's, this is, I don't know any of them, and this is a tough place to be in. And I remember standing up. And as soon as I stood up, I heard the Lord say this. Go, to, go get a coffee. Sit down and be quiet. Okay. So I got up. I got the coffee. I sat back in the chair. And I sat there for an hour and a half. I didn't say another word. An hour and a half, they begin to tell their stories to one another. And at the end of the hour and a half, they had a time for food. So I went up to go get some of the food. And when I went to get some of the food, this man comes up beside me, and he says this. He says, I thought I had you figured. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I was pretty sure you were going to come in here and tell your nice, pretty story, and then you were going to bolt. Because, but you didn't. That meant more to me than your words. Let me tell you something. That experience has changed my life. Because I was this stubborn kid who had no desire to do any of this, but yet the Lord used me. In that moment in time, this stubborn kid who didn't have any of the words to say, nothing. And it made me think of Matthew 18, which says this, Matthew 18, 12 to 14. It says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over the sheep than over the ninety-nine that, he didn't, that didn't go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That day, that man was one of those sheep. And he didn't want him not coming home. This is the heart of our Father. That not one, not one would perish. I don't know if anybody knows this, but two or three weeks ago, Engaged Church did a thing over at Horizon Stage. They did pretty much an outreach, invited the mayor and everybody, and over 300 and some people went to this event. And I was actually talking to uh, Jesse about it, because Jesse went to the event. Did you know that over 20 people got saved two, three weeks ago in our community? Isn't, isn't that amazing? There is a season and there is a window that is upon us. It's not just for our church. It's for every church. 
It's for whoever's saying, I'm willing. I'm willing to be the one. So one of the things I wanted to do today, because I want to talk a little bit more about this at the end, is I actually wanted you to hear from some of the people that are in our body who are already doing something, right? Remember Ben, he was talking last week about some stuff? And Ben said, you know, because you did the park crawl and all that. And I was thinking about that because he made a statement that, you know, we're all different. Not everybody's going to do the park crawl, right? It actually made me think of, uh, was it First Peter 4.10? It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And I think it's important because I'm going to say this that not every single one of you are expected to do what each of these people are doing, right? They're doing what they're supposed to do because that's their gift. That's their administration. That's what they should be doing, right? But I think it's important for us to actually hear and understand what people are doing. So I've asked a few people to come up, and so I think the first people I want to come up are Lauren and Kathy. Where are they? Yeah, go ahead. Invite them up. Hey. And so right after them, Joan, you can come up too because you three might as well start. So what we've been doing for about the last six, seven years, uh, we've been involved with the Heroes Program in the schools. And um, you guys have heard us talk about this from time to time. And you've heard of Heroes and you kind of, you know, are aware of it. And uh, But just to give you a little bit more information about what we're actually doing is um, we get to go into the schools, into grade 7 classes typically, which is great. Grade 7 is a, is a, grade seven is a, great, a great age for this program because they're <clears throat> old enough to be able to start to make decisions and stuff like that, but they're not quite at the stage where they know everything yet, you know? <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's really a great time. But it's also kind of scary, like going into a grade 7 class, like junior high. I mean, junior high is a scary thing. But, but we get to go in there, and uh, we teach heroes. And what heroes is, is it's basically a program that a guy developed that teaches a bunch of kingdom principles, but takes out all the chapter and verse, and takes out all the church language, and teaches it in a way that is, uh, can make a difference. And, and we love it. We, Kathy and I, we, you know, we really resonate with that, sort of, uh, with that sort of a program. And just to give you an idea, what I, what, an idea of what I mean by that is one of the things that we teach, sort of the, the bottom line of the whole thing, is that you have value, that everyone has value, and that God made you a specific way for a certain purpose, and you should celebrate that, and you should love it, and that you have gifts and abilities. We have this mantra that we say in the class, and we get the kids to stand up and shout it every time we go into class. We, we use water as an example, and whenever I hold up the water, they all jump up and yell. They don't do it the first day, but by, by class three, they're just going crazy, and they yell out, I have gifts and abilities and the desire to succeed, you know, and we're trying to help them to recognize that, hey, we all have gifts and abilities. We all have the desire to succeed. We don't, you know, we don't have the desire to fail. We have the desire to succeed. And so to be able to go into the school and, and teach these principles, a kingdom principle doesn't lose any of its um, strength simply because you don't quote chapter and verse. 
you know, and uh, so to be able to teach that. And then from there, we teach them, you know, how to honor one another. Because not only do you have value, but the guy beside you has value. The person in the other class that you don't like, they even have value. So, and that's what honoring is, recognizing one another's value, right? And, and, and you know, and uh, honoring that. And so w- these are the things that we get to, that we get to teach and um, it's, it's really great uh, to be able to go in there and, and do that. And, and we love it. I love it. I mean, I, uh, and this is the great thing about doing something that you're gifted at, something that you're, you, you love to do, is that it's not hard, right? It's not scary. It's almost to the point, and I was talking to Chris this last week about this, that uh, it's almost to the point where I can't help it. You know, I, I need to go in there and I need to be doing this because this is, this is a part of, of who I am. And, and we've been teaching heroes, like I said, for six or seven years. And so the principles that we're learning, you know, are not just information out of a book. It's something that comes from the very core of who I am. And so teaching that kind of material, you know, is just, it's just, it's, it's so easy. And I have so many examples uh, and stories to tell of how not to do it mostly, but, you know, of, uh, of, of experiences from that kind of thing. And so it's really great. And one of the great opportunities that we had last year uh, was also to take this same program and take it into um, the, the center where, where Joan was volunteering, and uh, which is, and she'll talk a little bit more about this, but it's essentially a, uh, a rehab center for men. And uh, so, th- so we took the same program that we teach grade sevens, and we took it into this place, you know, f- f- and, and taught it there too, because the principles don't change. You know, the, the way we presented it was slightly different, obviously, but it was great because, w- you know, everybody needs to hear that they have value. Everybody needs to hear that they have, and those guys, they don't think that at all. You know, uh, we, I remember we were talking, one day we were talking about uh, how you see yourself. You know, how do you, how do you see yourself? And the one guy says, well, I'm a loser. And that's how I see myself. And, and so I, you know, we talked about that a little bit. And he says, but the evidence is clear. Look at my life. It's clear, you know, that I, I know you've done things that maybe aren't the best. But in essence, you yourself have value. And to be able to, to communicate and talk about that is, uh, is really great. And um, so it's really important that we understand that, like Chris said, not everybody can go and do the things that we do. And uh, not everybody can do the things like that, that Ben does or anybody else. But you have a place in the body and you have a gift and you have gifts and abilities and the desire to succeed, right? You know? And so you may not know what that is. In fact, you, everybody struggles through that. Oh, what's my gift? What am I good at? And we have this false humility that, oh, I'm not good at anything, right? And all that stuff. And, uh, but I think that, and sometimes it needs to be drawn out of you, like the way it was drawn out of Chris. You know, I mean, uh, and, but... Be available, you know, be ready. And, you know, and you might be thinking, oh, boy, I'm, you know, I'm a mother with a bunch of kids and I'm just feeding and watering and crowd control. That's my life. 
Yeah, but you may be able to petition the government to build a sidewalk. Right? So, you know, there's lots of different, different ways. Um, the other thing that I just want to say quickly uh, is that, you know, some of the, the uh, when we teach heroes, you know, some people have said to us in the past, yeah, but you don't ever get to share the gospel or close the deal or that kind of stuff, you know, and it's true, we don't. You know, we're, we're, we're planting seeds, and we don't even get to watch them grow. We don't even get to go back and look at the crop, you know. However, I really truly believe that, uh, you know, when we start to plant a kingdom principle inside someone's life and inside someone's heart, that one day they'll be around somebody that is speaking, that and they're going to go, whoa, wait a minute, that's a frequency that, that I understand. That's, a, that's something that resonates inside of me. I want to hear more about that. And I think someone's going to tell a story about that, aren't they? Miranda? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so when we, when we plant these things and we teach these things, I really believe that, uh, that, that these are seeds that will grow, and they may not grow here, they may not grow in Spruce Grove, they may not grow for a few years. But, uh, but we have the privilege to get out into the schools and do that, and, and, and we love it, and... Uh, just a couple more stories. I can't help it. Um, last year, I got the privilege of uh, teaching in Stony Plain Central with Joseph Billet. Uh, a lot of you know Joseph Billet. If you don't, he's about three inches taller than me. He's about 50 pounds heavier than me, all muscle. And uh, he's got a beard that's equal to mine. So when we go walking through a junior high school... <laughs> You know, and we walk into a grade 7 class, you know, we get to say things and do things that other people don't, and they're going to listen in a different way. And so it's great, you know. The other thing was, that was cool about that, about that particular uh, uh, time is uh, we went into Stony Central, if you know where that is, down at the bottom of the hill there. Anyways, I, uh, Joseph and I both went to that school in junior high. In fact, it was brand new when I went there in grade 8 in 1972. The first time I went to class, I brought my report card from 1972 to show the kids and read the comments that they wrote, and everybody and the teacher shocked they would write that. Oh, you know, I was not a model student, so the comments were not that positive. So, uh, but anyways, it was a lot of fun, and those are some of the fun things that we get to do, and I could tell you dozens of stories. So, anyways, I'll pass it off, and she can go. So I'm not going to talk about heroes because he just did. So I'll do talk about other stuff. Um, uh, for us, we always we always like to just bring what we have wherever we are. So that falls into all categories of our life. So our our Christian walk is not separate from our work and from when we hang out with neighbors and when we you know visit people. It's just not separate. Um, so uh, one thing that Lauren brings when he goes to work, and it's part of who he is, he brings peace. And so he's a computer tech guy, and people are usually panicked when they have computer issues. And he actually brings a lot of peace when he comes. And that's part of what he carries and what he brings and how he influences. And People always make weird comments about when he walks in the room and everything works because that's how it appears to them. 
But it, that's just part of carrying what we bring and who we are. That's what we do. Um, I get the privilege in my work to see a lot of women during the week. And uh, sometimes it's one-on-one, and sometimes it's in a group, and sometimes we're painting, and sometimes we're painting our faces, and sometimes we're doing other things. Uh, But I get to see a lot of women. And so in that, uh, I get to bring what I have. And, you know, the only thing I have really is the Holy Spirit and what he's brought me through. So what I find in my week, and it happens often, uh, you know, we'll start with business stuff and we'll end with personal stuff. And, uh, you know, I can have somebody allotted for an hour and then the person behind them, you know, after their appointment cancels and I end up with more time. And it's often because that person needed time to just talk about their life and to just talk about their life with somebody that can bring wisdom. And so I think a lot of times part of what we do and part of what we bring is the wisdom from our, from our journey, however that looks. And it often, um, it often will lead into words of wisdom and word of words of encouragement. But we never have to say, okay, so now I'm going to give you a word of wisdom that you're going to take back to your marriage, right? Like we don't have to say that. We just share our lives and the experiences and the wisdom that God has taught us and the kingdom principles that God has taught us about our life and our marriage and our kids and all of that. And we bring it wherever we go. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to wherever you are, bring what you have, you know. Um, Yeah, I don't know how to explain that more than that. Okay, uh, Lauren, talking about gifts, uh, uh, having a passion, knowing where you belong, um, what God is calling you to do. Four and a half years ago, I didn't know. I just knew I was at home. I was bored out of my mind. I'm an extrovert, and I was going crazy. So anyways, I got a job working at McCullough Center, and I was just like, I was kind of scared to start working there. It's a place for homeless men with drug and alcohol addictions. So I start working there, and it's like, okay, God, what do you want from me here? And um, he really stretched me, told me it was training ground, and that he had two mighty angels protecting me there And um, while I was on site because, you know, these guys aren't always the safest of individuals. Um, but I worked there for three and a half years. I quit my job just shortly before Lauren and Kathy and I went and did the Heroes program there. But um, I was able to pray for different guys. I had a few of them gave their lives to the Lord. But uh, one thing that um, that happened for me, okay, there's there this guy that was on site. Okay, he was overweight, missing teeth, missing an eye, mental health issues, addiction issues. Like, everybody's kind of grossed out by him and really not wanting to even talk to him. So I was like, okay, Lord, how do I love this guy? How do I show him your love? And he said to me, well, what if it was one of your brothers? It's like, okay, well, I put my arm around my brother. There's no way I'm putting my arm around this guy, Lord, because <laughs> it's not appropriate. I was staff. Um, but God just showed me how to love him, and that was just smiling at him, acknowledging him, asking him how he's doing, just those kind of things. Sometimes I get a response, sometimes not, because sometimes... 
with his mental health issues, you don't know where he's at that day. But anyways, I would just continually do that. And then it started that he'd see me and he'd start yelling across the place, Joan! And I'd be like, hi! <laughs> you know, just those kind of things started happening. And, um, and stuff. I never got to share the gospel with him or talk to him about Jesus at all. But, you know, after I quit my job, when I would go back on site to visit, he would actually seek me out. And he would come and he'd have a big smile for me. And he just want to be acknowledged because it's just showing him the love of Jesus. That's all it took. It's just showing him the love of Jesus. Yeah, so. Thanks. It just makes me think of, uh, if I have time today, I'll, I'll touch on this, but Good Samaritan. Because he actually didn't talk to him about the Lord. Right? But yet that's the illustration Jesus used to talk about who our neighbor is, which was just pure love. So we have a couple more people. I know we're running out of time, so I might not get everybody. I'm going to try here. But Frida, I want you to come up. Frida, I asked her this morning, and so she's doing this because I asked her, thank you for doing this. (laughs) It's so good to have her up here. Sure. Sometimes it's better not to have time to think about it. So Chris asked me to share what I do. Um, On Tuesday afternoons, I go with a group of um, ladies to the women's prison in West Edmonton. And to be honest, I didn't even know there was a prison, a women's prison in West Edmonton, like 20 minutes away from here, um, where a number of women live. And Tuesday afternoons, we go and we just, we hang out with them. We do a Bible study. We just kind of share life. If they have questions, whatever it is, we have a time of praying for them. And, um, yeah, and Chris, that, the other thing he said is um, maybe share why you do it. There, there are a number of reasons, and it started years ago. Years ago, God put that on my heart. And, um, and honestly, it's, it can be a frustrating place to be because it's very political. There's so many reasons that you can't get in some weeks. Like, if prisoners escape, then the next day you <laughs> try and go in, and everything's on lockdown. You, you can't go in, which actually happened a week and a half ago. And it's funny, just after that, I was, um, I was praying for my daughter about something, and, um, and God just said, he just, once again, just said, each of them is someone's daughter. Like, each of them is someone's aunt, their, mo- their mother. So many of them have kids. Their moms are in prison, so they're someone's sister. So that would be the why. It's a humbling experience, I tell you. And it's just a really relying on God. What, what do we share today? What do we talk about today? What's important to the ladies? Sometimes you only see a lady one week and then she's transferred or, or who knows what. So it's like that one, one hour, hour and a half that you have with them. Um, so, um, some stories, I guess. Uh, one lady we just met a couple of weeks ago, she said, She's like, I'm, I'm new to this. She said, I just had a vision of my sister and I hanging out when we were little, and Jesus was there. She said, I just want to know more. She said, I knew in that dream that it, this is real, and she said, I just want to know more about it. She's like, what's a good book to start with? We're like, well, the Bible <laughs> is good. So it's just really, really basic a lot of the time, and just to, just to share with them. Another time, um, this was one of my first weeks there. I've been there for a few years. Um, three ladies came in about halfway in. And they were a good head taller than me and, like, just these tough, tough-looking <laughs> three ladies that came in together. And they sat down with their arms crossed. And, you know, they were very, there was this wall. And, uh, and they didn't say anything until we um, asked if there were any prayer requests. 
their arms went down and they just started asking, oh, can you pray for her daughter? Can you pray for this and this? And then they were just there with us. And yeah, it's just amazing to see. So anything else? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah, it was actually, I was about 16, and um, there was a, a prison ministry, and I grew up in Nova Scotia, and um, it was called um, Cons for Christ at the time, and this pastor, he, he actually, <laughs> it's now called Bridges of Canada, <laughs> they changed the name, <laughs> so um, Monty Lewis, he, he recently passed away, he's the one that started it, he, he was in prison for a number of years, and and found God there, and um, he came to our church, and he did this presentation, and he was asking, you know, anyone to sign up if you wanted information to pray, et cetera, et cetera, if you wanted to support them, and I just said to him, I said, can I get your newsletter? I said, I don't have any money. I can't support it. He's like, absolutely. Everybody has a part in this, and if it's that you at 16 want to pray for this, like, that's amazing, so I got that newsletter for years and years, and then and so that was on my heart, and it just, you know, it just didn't work out logistically over time. And then, yeah, about four years ago, a friend asked me if I wanted to join her in this, and yeah, so here we are. And it's the group that we are with is called Connecting Streams, and I don't know if anyone remembers Campus Crusade for Christ. They changed to Power to Change is what they're called now, and then Connecting Streams is a ministry under them. So if anyone's interested, there are teams going to the Young Offender Center, a couple teams, there are... Um, the provincial um, at the fort, there's a group there. Just, just so many different um, prisons and just places where people are kind of marginalized, where no one will come to visit that, uh, yeah, that you can be part of. So if you have any questions, let me know. All right, I got two more I'm going to do today. Sorry, Jen. We'll save yours for another day. Gavin, come on. Gavin's a guy, he was a heroes instructor for me at one point, too, and he actually... First time he introduced himself to a class at Greystone, his first words to them were, oh, I just want to love on you guys. <laughs> it was like, those Christianese we don't realize. They all looked at him like, what? Right? So did the teacher. Like, what is he talking about? And I'm like, you're not in church, right? But uh, I've asked Gavin to share a bit because I've watched his journey. I mean, this guy has had people living on his property in a trailer. You know, he's coats for Christ. I mean... You name it, these guys have probably done it. They've done a lot of stuff downtown in that. And so I've asked him to take a minute, too, just to share. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I started off when we first came to church here. Uh, it was probably 10 years ago. Uh, uh, started with Heroes and ended up at Paul Band First Nations. And, and uh, boy, talk about being over your head. Uh, I remember just teaching there and just, like, things are flying. Like, people are throwing things, and it, it looked like, like Harlem kind of inner city kind of thing. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. And, you know, we've, I've run over a reserve dog on the way to a class. And you're like, oh, because we were late. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's, uh, that's just, uh, uh, so... Uh, well, real, what I really wanted to talk about was uh, first going to downtown and walking into a drop-in center. Never had done this before and walked in and um, kind of found the guy that was uh, in charge and, uh, and he goes, can I help you? And I said, yeah, you know, I, I just, I want to, uh, uh, I want to just meet some people and, uh, you know, uh, for Christ kind of thing. And he goes, oh, Okay, 
good. Sick of being at church, are you? Because this is where the church is. And I'm like, oh, whoa, that's aggressive, right? And I'm like, and I learned to, you know, this is Murray who owns, or not owns it, but started this whole thing. And I thought, we, you know, beautiful heart, actually, after that aggressive uh, comment. But what happened to me, this is what happened. So I, you know, went in there, and I, and, I, and I do this often. I will commit to a time-specific thing so that I don't chicken out and quit. For instance, I actually homeschooled my kids for two years, and I actually said, I will do this for two years, and guaranteed at six months, I was, like, phoning other schools and wanted to quit and all that stuff. But I said, I'll do this for two years. So the same thing with doing this uh, drop-in center. I said, uh, um, I will commit to this, Lord, for, like, a year. And uh, for the first three months I went there, I went there every Monday night, and I had so many judgments in my heart. That was the first thing that God started to take off of me was, like, seriously, I had, like, you know, easy judgments of, like, well, get a job or, you know, be productive. Be, you know, you're a man. Be this of society, you know, on and on. And literally, I just observed for uh, the first two or three months of, like, wow, I I started to realize they can't have a job right now. They, you know what? You started to listen to people, and it was, you know, heart-wrenching stories of their childhood and of their, their adulthood and, and brokenness and, like, ugliness, right? And then you started to realize, wow, do you know what God started to do? He started to give, he starts to give us empathy. He starts to give us compassion, and he starts to give us love. So that he can tear down the judgments, tear down the walls, and really start to believe that uh, love covers over a multitude of sins and faults and, you know, brokenness. So that you can actually start to uh, listen and, and, and actually, you know, listen to the Holy Spirit, too, of what to say. And so that's my encouragement to uh, um, anything because whenever a stat comes up of like, oh, there's 3,500 homeless in, in Edmonton, there's this, there's that, you know, you hear, we hear, we listen to the news and stuff happen. I've actually got pictures in my head of characters that I got to know and, and got to speak to. And, and, and so now it's not just this stat, it's a personal thing. And then it changes you because of that. And so that's probably the, the, the biggest thing that begins to happen is actually you think you're doing outreach, but it's in reach because it's you're changing. And uh, and so that's that's a whole realm of uh, of people who are out there. And really what starts to happen is you get over fear of like, oh, I'm not in a safe place or I'm not in a, uh, you know, a controlled place. You actually you know, God's protecting you. You know, God's with you. And you know uh, that love is with you too, so you can begin to minister and um, and uh, not not out of fear or guilt or shame and all those sorts of crazy things that uh, can begin like that. You're actually ministering out of a healthy uh, spot of love, grace, mercy, and on and on, right? And so, and then out of that, some of these characters came and you know you. Like you need to get out of downtown. Come on, you can come and stay at our house and or live in my trailer. Or <laughs> Seriously, I we had one guy. It was eight months. I think he lived in my tent trailer. 
like, just, yeah, just crazy, you know, sort of. But, and another guy lived in his van, and another guy lived in a, we had a different trailer too, and, and he came and he just says to me, he goes, I want, Gavin, I want, would you disciple me? And I'm like, okay, Phil, are you serious about this? Because, you know, uh, we have to commit a time and, and like I got family to raise and everything too. So if you, you know, let's, yep. Three months, we, we, uh, I went through the whole New Testament with him and, uh, and he's still strong today. And that was three years ago. And he's still strong today because, you know, and is there times when, oh, I just want to like kick my feet up. I've worked all day and Phil's in my camper, you know. <laughs> I say, no, go across. And, you know, there's a commitment also from your family and your wife and to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay, time, you know, given, given the grace of time, right? So just wanted to sort of say that's forever changed our lives because this includes, you know, my kids and, and Melody as well because they live in my home. <laughs> and so, uh, and that's, uh, and it doesn't always ha- end beautifully either. Like, you know, I've put guys, they've worked for me as well, given give them a job and everything and got spat on, you know, back. But that's just, you know, the brokenness that some of these are in and love covers that. So, um, and one other thing, we all have homes. One of the most powerful thing that we have is homes. So when you allow someone to cross that threshold of something you value so much, evangelism is right there. You know what? I mean, it's not just an event somewhere else. You know, it's a relationship. And so, and you do have to sort of uh, relent on, oh, you know what? Uh, it's, you know, house isn't clean. Our house isn't right. I, you know what? I want to be in control. You kind of got to go lower the bar so that relationship can happen. Really, truly, that's, that's the power of someone crossing your threshold into your family, your home, the things you value. Uh, you're inviting someone into your family. So that's, that's the second part I wanted to bring. Right. Awesome. We're not going to be much longer. Miranda has to come, though, because we've talked about a lot of things that people do Miranda, right there. What? <laughs> Hurry up. Come on. Miranda, stay up here. Stay up here. The Melody told me to come back up here again. So <laughs> there is one other thing. And uh, um, uh, Kathy spoke on it a little bit of like, uh, you know, it's, it becomes our life. Like it's not just an event somewhere else and then we turn out. It's not a switch. So many times in my work, like... I have these relationships with clients. We've been running a business for 20 years. To have the courage and the boldness to pray for people. I mean, you know, there's been some funny times when they're handing me a check, you know, and I'm like, can I pray for you? And, you know, they're paying me for my services, but really that's irregardless of trees. Yeah, sure, I do that to provide for my family, but ultimately... Christ is within us, right? So I've had some amazing moments of just praying for people in their in their backyards or in their in their foyers or whatever, right? And so just man, this this body is so diverse. It is so awesome. 
like how gifted we are in different manners and, and ways that all of us can't touch all of those things, but all of us can do these things. So just want to encourage the body. Just as, as Joshua was heading into a new land, uh, God said, be bold, be courageous. Moses actually said that to him. Be bold, be courageous, have strength. And so that's the same thing with us. We shrink or we go, oh, I'm going to take this chance. I'm going to take it. So, yeah, I encourage the body to do that. You know, and we could invite up so many others. I know Rick and Della spent so many years in the seniors' homes and Fort Saskatchewan prison and everywhere, and he used to take me when I was a kid. I know Nathan has done, like, door-to-door, right? I mean, so many different things that are probably within here, which are amazing. But Miranda is going to bring another aspect of it because not everything's structured, right? Not everything's planned out like that. This is, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? In September. So this is very recent. So let's listen to this one. Okay, well, um, in September, I was invited to speak in a homeschooling group. And at first, I was kind of like, oh, maybe that means I finally know what I'm doing. And but that's not why. And, <laughs> and uh, I found out why. So I, I went to this homeschooling group, and I didn't know anybody there except for one person. Um, and contrary to popular belief, not all homeschoolers are Christians, just saying. Um, <laughs> so I mumble through this thing that I was doing, and it wasn't, it didn't go very well. But afterwards, I was speaking with one of the other speakers, and uh, just because of life stuff, I had mentioned some health things that I had gone through, and so she was speaking to me about this, and we're just talking, and, and she's asking me about them, and I, I mentioned my back, and I said, I'm actually believing for a healing, not knowing that she was a Christian at all, and she said, oh, well, can I talk to you about that? And I'm going, okay, sure, and then we kind of go outside, so now we're outside because they're kicking us out because it's so late at night, and and we're, we're just talking. We're going, well, where can we go? With Everything's closing. And um, we're still talking about different healing aspects. And I'm going, oh, that's so cool that she's a Christian and she has similar experiences. And I'm like, well, how about you just come to my house? And then this little voice behind me and to the side of me goes, can I come too? <laughs> and we look behind and there's this cute little lady standing there. And it's just kind of like, I, can I listen? And we're like, okay, sure. <laughs> Come to my house. <laughs> and I Sometimes my house is beautifully clean and sometimes it's really, really awful. And you never know when it will be awful, especially if I haven't been there. And I hadn't been there, so I didn't know. But I was just like, no, we have to do this at my house. I can't actually make this another day. This has to happen now. And I, I didn't know why. I'm like, just to talk about, like, like just to have a conversation is what I'm still thinking. So I bring these ladies into my house. And, yes, there was dirty socks on the floor and <laughs> various other things. And <laughs> but they, come, they sit down. And the other Christian lady and I are talking about healing. And then every once in a while, this little lady asks questions 
And we're going, okay, well, we answer the question. And then she asked this one question. <laughs> and Belinda and I look at each other. And we both sit up and we're like, without speaking, we were just, she is not a Christian. She has no clue what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. And without, I had never met this woman before, without speaking, I didn't even know her name yet. And without speaking, we were like, no, we drop everything and we're doing this now. And before I knew it, Belinda had, in the most amazingly concise and clear way I have ever heard, this is coming from a missionary's daughter, by the way, <laughs> she had laid out the gospel message. This is the steps you need to do. This is what each step means. And then she stops. And she didn't know what to do next. And I'm like, I know what to do next. <laughs> and she's asking questions. I'm like, I know how to answer every single one of these questions. And then, I, and then and we're going, okay, you, you need to read the Bible. I'm going to send a Bible home with you. And I'm going, huh, you need to read the Romans Road. I have a Bible for you with the Romans Road and my 12-year-old self notes. Completely underlined and laid out with notes taking because this is when I was 12, so the notes are very simplified. <laughs> and I was able to give this to her, and she's, and it was, it was one of the most amazingly not-me things I've, I've, I've ever been a part of because it was just like, God, okay, now I know why I was supposed to do and be there, and now I know why, and thank you for making me say yes. Like, these are eternity issues. This is someone's eternal being here, and it needs to be something that you drop everything for. And now this, this is the most important thing. And it turns out she's going through, like, these heartbreakingly, like, wrenching. You might. I was like, please don't cry. Please don't cry. Just answer questions. It was... It was heartbreaking what she was going through, and she was doing it and looking for answers, and she had no clue where to go, and she had no answers. She didn't know what to say, what to do, and she's searching, and she's fighting for her family, and I'm going, how are you strong enough to do this without God? And the answer is she's not. And I just felt so honored that Belinda and I were kind of like, wow, God knew the exact two people to put together, didn't even know each other. And somehow we were unified in the, just because we were in the body of Christ, that we were able to come together and give this lady exactly what she needed, like word for word even a Bible with the exact message <laughs> already laid out. And I'm still in contact with her now, and I'm pretty sure she's going to start coming to our church soon. So <laughs> I just, we need to be ready. And um, it's one of the coolest things I've ever been a, a part of. And I just would encourage you all to say yes, even if you don't know what you're saying yes to at the time. <laughs>
Now, we've had people in the last week just stop in the church. Things are happening that haven't happened in a while. And I'm saying that to say this, the window is open. The door is open. And uh, I'm going to, you didn't need me to preach today. I mean, these guys all did such an amazing job, didn't they? I mean, beautiful testimonies and stories. But it makes me think of Matthew 25 and verses 31 to 46. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them from one another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, and as much as you did for the least of these, you did for me. We know the back end of that scripture, too, because then he talks to the goats. And says that when you didn't feed them, you didn't feed me. When you didn't clothe them, you didn't clothe me. When you didn't take them in, you didn't take me in. So again, the season is upon us. I think the window's open. And I'm going to fast forward this message, and I'm going to end with this. I'm going to quickly give you three things to take home with you. This can be really fast. Because I think this is going to help, because I think the window of evangelism is going to start. It's going to look different for all of us. We can agree on that. And it's okay. Some of these things are going to be planned as we've seen, and some of them aren't. Some are going to be the Miranda moments, right, which is so important. Because then we just think of 1 Peter when it talks about just be ready to have an answer. We're all called to have that. Be ready to have an answer, and she did, which is so important. We're all called to be ready to have that answer. But three things I want to give to you is this. Is number one, make the main thing the main thing. And I feel this, that in order for the church to do this, right, Jesus has to be number one. You know, there was a phase in lots of churches where evangelism was right here. But the prayer and the intercession was way down here. And then we see it go the other way. It's that whole pendulum thing. We are not saying that prayer, intercession, and evangelism, it's all needed. It's all one. So as a church, we're not going to abandon one for the other. We just realize there is a window in front of us in the area of evangelism, and we want, we want to go through it. So again, make the main thing the main thing, which basically means this. Let Jesus be number one in your life. Seek him, worship him, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of your journey. Pray for the opportunities, and the opportunities will be there. Worship him. Do what we did this morning, and God's going to move. Number two, it's this. <laughs> this one's for me. All right? Eliminate time wasters. Right? I read a a quote, and again, it's for me. It said this that pastimes aren't evil, just useless. Okay? Again, there's nothing wrong with all this stuff, just as long as that stuff doesn't become our God. Right? We need to actually remove those things that are keeping us from doing kingdom business. 
And the final one is this. Matt shared this a few weeks ago because I say it all the time. Is be willing to be interrupted. That's the start right now in your journey. Whether you're at church, at work, in a coffee shop, at Heroes, it doesn't matter. In your backyard. That's our journey right now with our neighbors, and that's a whole other message. Just be willing to be interrupted. So let's stand up and pray. Father, we just choose to say yes to you. And we want your heart to be our heart. And so, Lord, you've been speaking a message for a number of weeks now. And we just ask, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would minister to us and show us what our part is. It's different for all of us, but we don't want to ignore it. We want to understand it, and we want to walk in it. We want to trust you in this. And, Father, I believe the harvest is ready, and you're calling the workers to do their job. And so, Father, we say yes to you, Jesus. And we say, may your will be done, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. Our neighbors, other employees, principals, politicians, move in all their lives, Lord. Father, that not one should perish. Not one. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone's there? I'm just going to quickly pray a prayer of activation over you. If you're just really feeling um, that you want to move in this, but you're afraid, um, that would be me. So um, I just want to declare that we're not afraid. We're not afraid of people. We're not afraid of their reactions and responses. But, Lord, in Jesus' name, I just welcome your heart of love. Just to... Uh, just a revelation of your love that we are all family, not just in this church, but the people in our communities and in our schools and in our businesses. They're our family. They're our brothers and sisters, and, and you love them so much. And so I just ask that you'd baptize us now in the spirit of love. And I just break the power of fear in our hearts. I invite the Holy Spirit to just... Um, Blow away the darkness and chase away the fear in our hearts. God, I know that we're in a season where um, the church is sometimes judged and um, pushed back against. We don't need to be afraid. We just need to walk in love. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff, and he just turned around and came back through and continued to minister. And so we're not afraid. We're not afraid. The other thing that I just wanted to pray was, Lord, we're not ashamed of your gospel. I just break off the power of shame where the church has been judged and accused of being um, rigid and judgmental and big high walls. Um, And so we try to behave in a way that um, maybe fights back on those accusations. We don't need to do that. The gospel is a, a beautiful message. And I just, I just see a picture um, of every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord because we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed to call Jesus Lord. We're not ashamed of the message of the cross, um, even the strength and the power of it that sometimes um, maybe is a little even overwhelming to us. Lord, I just want to declare we're not ashamed of you. We're not ashamed. And so I speak 
um, activation in the hearts of the people right now, Lord. And I just, I, I just want to, I want to speak a blessing over those gifts in our lives, those gifts and those abilities and the desire to exceed. And I, Lord, I ask that you would awaken us to the people around us that you so long to be one with, that we would love them the same way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.